Paolo Ugetti, your job this college football season has been to watch USC quarterback Caleb Williams put on a show pretty much week after week after week. And I'm embarrassed to admit to you here that this past weekend's destruction of Notre Dame was kind of my first taste in full, really, of the quarterback that apparently um, needs to be described. Well, how? How would you describe what Caleb Williams did to Notre Dame on Saturday? I would have to describe it in the only way that I seem to have some reference point off, which is it was Mahomes-like. It was the kind of performance that he exactly needed to basically more or less secure the Heisman, but it was also just a perfect, I would say, summary of what this season has been like for him. I've been pretty much at every USC game this year, and every game he seems to have a player or two where he is running backwards, evading tackles, evading sack, and somehow turns it into a positive play. It's there a handful of times a game, and it felt like Saturday he decided to take that to a whole nother level. Hand to the ground here, but they bring some pressure. Williams backpedaling, trying to escape again, still alive. And now sprints and fires downfield, and the catch is made by Mario Williams, and they convert the third and 20. Wow! felt like every third play, he was running away from defensive linemen, yes. uh, spin moves around the pocket, and then just finding guys downfield. And it was, it was, you know, pretty, pretty striking to watch because it was a whole nother level of what he has been doing all season. Yeah, I mean, you're watching this in person from the press box, and I'm just at home, like, laughing to myself because I didn't think there was a college quarterback that could do this. There was one play where he ended up scrambling, what, like nearly 80 yards. And he made an entire defense look uh, just stupid, honestly. Williams has time against a four-man rush, backpedaling, scanning, now running out of time, circling back, joystick on the move again. Are you kidding me? Caleb Williams, dancing, cutting, mesmerizing run by the quarterback, finally dragged down at the 20. It's a highlight reel tonight. It's almost like he breaks the plays himself. Right. Any other quarterback would maybe be able to stand in the pocket and see the pressure coming and just either throw it away or try to hit a receiver on on the you know the normal route that he was running. But no, he he almost relishes the chance to spin out of the pocket and see what else he can do with his legs and with his arms. It's it, it's pretty amazing to watch. And honestly, it, it it's funny because all the you know the the running backs this season and the linemen and the wide receiver they kind of adopted this mantra of well. Kill has the ball. We don't know where he's going. We just know that the play is never dead <laughs> until he's fully down. So it's just been something they've had to really embrace. And I think the whole offense has really embraced it too. Yeah. So we'll get to the Patrick Mahomes analogy in a little bit here, but it was also the way he celebrated, right? I mean, this was somebody who seemed to know exactly what was on the line here beyond just a big win against the rival. He'd tell you that he wasn't thinking about the Heisman. He wasn't thinking about the personal awards. He just wanted to win. And and on some level, that's kind of been his MO all season. But you can see that this past week, USC, his teammates, and even him, they started to realize, okay, this this is here for the taking as far as the Heisman goes. You know, USC rolled out a Heisman promotional video midweek. He is Superman. Caleb Williams has propelled USC from a previous 4-8 and eight football season to a current 10-1 and one record. He has changed. 
he is Heisman. His teammates talked about him at practice and just kind of heaped praise upon him. You know, didn't mention the Heisman, but but after the game, they did. Right? Everybody said, you know, he's the best player in the country. We think he's the Heisman. But but Caleb himself, he's just kind of been a little subdued by it all. What did you do tonight that felt like a Heisman-worthy moment? Um, nothing tonight I felt like was Heisman. It's just my teammates told me to do it, um, and they, they kept saying do it. So I, I ended up just doing it on one of the touchdowns. I mean, when you have the whole crowd there, 70,000-plus chanting Heisman, you have USC playing the video on the Jumbotron of the Heisman, you know, campaign that they're rolling out. It, it, it's hard not for him not to just be able to lean into it. And I think he's finally starting to kind of embrace the fact that, uh, yeah, that, that, that award is likely going to be his if this continues. So Caleb Williams does kind of look like Patrick Mahomes. It feels important for you to visualize that here before we go any further with this episode. Because Patrick Mahomes is six foot two, 225, and Williams is maybe 10 pounds lighter and like an inch shorter, depending on how long he's growing his own mop of curly hair, which he also keeps high and tight underneath a headband, just like Mahomes. But today, with USC somehow one win away from the college football playoff, it is time to meet Caleb Williams on his own terms, which may or may not include a seemingly hyperbolic resemblance that goes a lot more than skin deep. I'm Pablo Torre. It's Wednesday, November 30th. This is ESPN Daily. So, Paolo, you profiled Caleb Williams for ESPN.com back in October before he was the consensus Heisman favorite. And the place you start this profile was on YouTube in 2018 when Caleb Williams is just a kid at Gonzaga High School in Washington, D.C. The name of the clip, what was it? Why was it? Yeah, I would say it's probably fitting that we were dealing with a 20-year-old Heisman quarterback and we're talking about YouTube. That feels like pretty apt the the clip is called was called 45 seconds of madness it's basically a quick synopsis of the last two or so minutes of a high school game where you know gonzaga is playing one of their rivals um gonzaga high school that is in in the dc area and you know i, I talked to caleb's head coach randy trivers who basically gave me the rundown of the of the game where they were down i think by almost 30 points and you know came all the way back that's a touchdown. That's a touchdown. Gonzaga puts the ball in the end zone. There's 29 seconds to go, and Gonzaga takes the lead. There's a flag. Then the math of the high school, their opponent, ran the kickoff back. He's, he's going to get to midfield. He's going to make his way upfield. He's at the 30, 25, 20. He's going. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So Caleb then had to engineer another drive, which led to a Hail Mary, which led to the game-winning touchdown as the final seconds ticked off. Is God purple? We're about to find out. Ball's in the air, and it is going to get there. And if somebody called that, did somebody, somebody catch that? Gonzaga, did they catch that? Touchdown, So basically, kind of the most ridiculous ending for a high school game, or let alone any football game that you can think of. I cannot I believe it. Me. That is the greatest high Look at football this. game. And yet you make the point in this story that in that 45 seconds, 
the the play that stood out the most to the people who were responsible for rearing, for training up the next great quarterback wasn't even included on it. What did we miss that YouTube didn't show us? Well, I think it's kind of emblematic of Caleb's MO as a whole, which is just that he he makes the play that leads to the to the next play in some ways. And and, and the, the way that I'm saying that is because the Hail Mary at, at around midfield wouldn't have been possible if he hadn't first completed a 15-yard pass to set that play up, right? And to, and to not just complete the pass, but, but hit the receiver that was going toward the sideline so he can go out of bounds and, and stop the clock. You know, it always seems like he's in control of the moment, in control of what he needs to do to set up his team to, to win the game, to, to finish the drive. We were down the whole game, and uh, at that moment, that word came out. We all believed in each other, and I believe in this, this in this case, that that throw, uh, his coach pointed out to me because he said, if we don't make that throw, you know, the, the, we don't win. Yeah, I mean, what I'm getting from listening to you and watching Caleb Williams in full now is that, like, oh, he has the greatest highlights in college football and in high school football, maybe. Like, pound for pound, I don't know of a more fun player to watch. And what I don't see, though, is like what he actually is like in a locker room. So when you talk to the people in high school who were around him back then, what, what do they say in terms of like what he's actually like to play with? His talent speaks for itself in a way where he doesn't have to be over the top about leadership or over the top about messaging. But he's so likable to his teammates that it's very easy for them to buy into whatever he's doing, right? He, he, they know that when the moment comes where there needs to be a big play made, nobody else is going to want the ball more than he will, right? And I think that kind of has earned him a trust um, among teammates in high school, among teammates at Oklahoma, and especially in this situation with USC, because he came in kind of as an outsider, right? You know, he was coming in with Lincoln Riley. Some of the players that were there at USC, you know, had no no history with him. And, and he was able to really step in and earn their trust and be able to lead the team right away. And they have just found him easy to kind of rally around, right? And I think that's what... Riley hoped for and expected when Williams transferred to USC. Yeah, I mean, what you're describing here is fundamentally confidence. And look, we we talk about trusting your quarterback when the game is on the line so much that it's become a cliche at this point. But what we are getting truly is evidence that the more pressurized the moment gets, the more comfortable, the more willing to invent plays in real time that this kid becomes. And I just wonder how much of this, Paolo, was engineered because the little I know about his upbringing, it speaks to just the latest customized example of how to prepare an NFL prospect from a really early age. Yeah, I think in so many ways, it has to start with his dad, Carl Wright, who, you know, was a dietitian and had this sort of vision for him, right, where he was able to use the family facility. He had a strength and conditioning coach early on, passing instructor. So there was that kind of you know, carved out path of we're giving you all the skills and all the resources to succeed, right? And 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 yet at the same time, he still had to go out there and do it. And I think his dad has always played a a key role in his life, clearly. And even even this Saturday when he, you know, somebody asked him about those plays that he's creating out of nothing. And, you know, he said his dad always reminds him of how much more athletic he was at his age than he is. Oh, my dad? Yeah, he tries to he tries to say he was more athletic than me when when he was my age, but not at all. I have no film of him. <laughs> um, it seems like he still, you know, motivates him in that way. He always he gives him advice, tells him, you know, take off, take off. Like you're more athletic than you think, right? So I think there's always been that kind of 
confidence instilled into him, right? Whether that's through resources, through coaching, through family. And uh, you see that support there. I mean, there's just kind of this uh, feeling of, okay, all the work we put in, it's, it's paying off, right? Caleb Williams is the number one quarterback prospect in the class of 2021. He is, as you alluded to, he is an amazing high school player. And he chooses to go to Oklahoma instead of Maryland, which is local, and instead of LSU, uh, obvious power in college football. Why did he choose to go there? Yeah, I think in short, right, it's Lincoln Riley for multiple reasons. I think the main reason is because, you know, Riley's obviously a great recruiter. And I think he saw the kind of player in Williams who fit his offense well, which we're seeing now, but also the pedigree, right? Lincoln Riley has coached um, Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, Jalen Hurts. He's become a sort of de facto quarterback guru, right, for, for college football. And so if you're a quarterback like Killer Williams, who has been, you know, like we talked about, engineering this path to this point, you're going to want to go play for the best quarterback coach out there. And so it made complete sense for him to end up there. And, I, you know, I think there was sort of an expectation that he'd have to wait a little bit to get his time, right? And obviously, as we know, he didn't have to wait much. But yeah, I would say Lincoln is the number one reason he ended up there and also probably one of the main reasons that he ended up moving here to Southern California to play for USC. After the break, the main reason why we waited this long to truly appreciate Caleb Williams. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with the smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. So this is one of the reasons why it has taken me so long to fully appreciate Caleb Williams, I think, Paolo, because when he got to Oklahoma, he was not the star young quarterback that everyone was obsessed with, right? I mean, that was Spencer Rattler. So explain the dynamic here as that quarterback competition unfolded. Well, the thing is, it, it wasn't really a quarterback competition, right? Like you said, it, Spencer Rattler was the talk of the town. He was expected to be the Heisman favorite last season. And there was a lot of hype about him. And so nobody really was talking about Caleb Williams at all. And no, that was sort of expected, right? I mean, Rattler was had all the had all the makings of, of you know, Heisman level quarterback. But he was going to be Riley's next, you know, NFL product. And so it was out of nowhere, really, that that this happened. But I think once Caleb entered the game, right, which was during the Texas game where they were down. Yeah, the Red River Showdown, the annual rivalry game between Texas and Oklahoma where Caleb Williams enters the game at the start of the second quarter with the Sooners down 28-7. to Needs the length of the football. It's a keeper all the way. Makes a cut. Dances free and look out. Caleb Williams in the secondary. They're trying to run him down. Dives! Touchdown, Oklahoma! 
66 yards on fourth and a foot. You can see a shift in not just what Caleb could do on the field, which was a little different than when Rattler was able to do on the field, but also in the way the teammates and the team as a whole responded to that. It, it really kind of gave this vision of, okay, there's, there's a really good quarterback who has all the skill level and all the talent to lead this team to, you know, a, a playoff. But then there's this other quarterback who has this ridiculous amount of raw talent who also can bring forth this kind of leadership, this natural leadership that that is having his teammates really root for him or, or rally around him in a way that maybe isn't so common, right? And so I think, you know, I don't know if Riley noticed that and that led to his decision to eventually just play Williams. I think he would probably tell you that it was because it was the guy he thought he could he could help uh, win them games, and I think that's what he want. That's why he went with Williams over Rattler eventually. But it was clear from the beginning that this guy had something special, right? That wasn't just talent; it was more than that. Yeah, Spencer Rattler. For those who've already forgotten, was supposed to be the next big dual threat quarterback coming into college and then taking over the NFL. Like it was supposed to be him and not Caleb Williams doing all of this stuff. And Rattler had all these big marketing deals, right? All of this hype. But Caleb gave them a boost in this game, a game that Oklahoma came all the way back to win, by the way, 55 to 48. Williams has to recover the snap. Now tries to make some magic touchdown. A crucial score for OU. And that starts this sort of holy shit sequence of events that leaves you wondering, like, what does Lincoln Riley know that we don't? And so... How would you describe the connection between coach and player that resulted in this degree of faith in just a freshman? Yeah, I think it's safe to say that the connection that Riley has with Williams is kind of unique. They realize that they have the perfect combination of talent and scheme in this system that has allowed Caleb to not just show his talent, but also help with games, right? And so I think that's a trust that they developed over time. I think something Caleb has talked about this season is how that his familiarity with the system that Riley uses has grown. And 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 with that has come that trust, right? I mean, there's part of what Riley does with it with this kind of modified area system is he gives a lot of trust to the quarterback. Yes. That's crucial to the system succeeding. And so I talked to Hal Mummy, um, who's kind of the godfather of the air raid at the beginning of the season, and he he just harped on that, right? It's, it's the quarterback. You have to trust the quarterback, that quarterback. You have to let him call plays. You have to let him make changes at the line of scrimmage. And, you know, I, I think maybe last season at Oklahoma, Riley wasn't ready to fully turn that over to Caleb. In, in it's the, almost like he wasn't ready at that point to trust that this freshman should be the one to break all of his play calls. Of course, yeah, exactly. And then this season, it feels like that has turned, right? There's, and, and in some ways, it, it's had to be by necessity, right? They came from a different program to try to build something at USC. I wouldn't say from scratch because they're bringing that system over, but they had to kind of bring everybody else into the fold. That's when that trust even took on a whole nother level because what Riley was preaching, you know, in the film room, in the practice field, like Caleb was having to go out there and, and, and actually show. And I think that ended up working perfectly because all the all the guys really bought into the system and really embraced that this was what was going to take them to the next level. 
Yeah, it seems like they almost, that Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams are almost speaking like their own language here. And, and it sounds like it, it, it's almost a literal language that you've described. Sometimes it's all, it's, it's just a whistle, right? I think one of the, one of his teammates, one of the players pointed out that he just sees them sometimes whistle at each other and they know, they know what to do or Riley whistles at him or, you know, or, or maybe it's just kind of a look. We kind of communicate really fast um, when I'm on the field and he's on the sidelines. Just, and sometimes I'll, I'll call a play he likes it and he'll, he'll, he'll give me the shoulders, which normally means go ahead, or he'll give me a thumbs up, which means go ahead. So uh, it's a lot more trust. Caleb knows and he communicates it to the rest of the, the team. It's 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 it really is like their own language. And they're able to kind of fold into that, that flexibility that Caleb has at the line of scrimmage to, you know, change up the call. I think they're on the same page on almost every play. And and really the the results have shown that, right? I mean, I think we're kind of talking about Caleb producing all these plays where he's extending them and, and turning them into into positive gain when it looks like he's about to get sacked. Third and eight call it for Caleb Williams. Loads of time, hemmed in the pocket. Now he escapes forward, climbing through the pocket. First down and then some. Caleb Williams roaming free. You know, any other coach would be like, just throw the ball away. You know, just just right. take the situation and just don't make it worse. But Riley, and he talked about this post game, he trusts that 90% of the time or more, Williams is going to turn the play into something, right? He's going to actually make the right decision. So he trusts him to do that. Like, I, I don't think I've seen him throw the ball away, I don't know, maybe more than five or six times a season. I mean, I'm sure it's, it's more, wild, but it just, dude. it's crazy because he does. that's not even an option for him, it seems like. What you're describing is doing the thing that every coach fears their mm -hmm. players doing because they've watched Patrick Mahomes. Right? Like, it, it's this license that you really shouldn't grant to just any 20-year-old, just any teenager, because in 99.9% .9 of circumstances, that just blows up in everyone's face. Right. And, and, and it has, but it has happened so few times this season that there's no reason to even question his decision. Right. And that's crazy to say for a 20-year-old quarterback in his second season on a new team with new wide receivers you know, new running backs, new offensive line. It's just crazy that we're here talking about this in this moment because I, I don't think many people saw this coming. Right. I mean, he wasn't supposed to do this this fast. And when I say fast, I mean that we've now described like the contours of an intimate uh, <laughs> teacher-student relationship that really has taken place over like less than two full years <laughs> because they go from Norman together to USC. And when that decision is made, just to put a button on that, like Caleb Williams is in the transfer portal for what, like a month? And he has to figure out like, okay, am I going to follow Lincoln Riley to USC and be his quarterback or am I going to do something else? What was that decision like for him? He talked about it in a way that made it seem like he really labored over it, right? He didn't know whether he wanted to stay at Oklahoma. He didn't know where he wanted to go even if he left. It was challenging, to say the least. Because um, I, I was expecting him to be my coach there uh, for the next three, four years. Um, and so, so him leaving so abruptly um, for sure affected me. And then um, having to make a decision whether to stay um, at Oklahoma was probably been one of the hardest challenges. But to me, it was just very difficult to see him going anywhere else where he wouldn't be coached by Riley. It was tough because um, me and my dad never get into arguments. Uh, we've been close, and so it was. We were we were going back and forth about it, and so 
yeah, there was it was a lot of arguments and anything like that. Um, but I ended up making a decision um, to, to come here, call Coach Riley, and uh, we all kind of got happy and made a decision to come here, and uh, it's been a blast ever since with these guys. This is a family, we talked about it, right? They have, they have their plan, they give them every resource, they made the decision to go be coached by Lincoln Riley, and I don't think they were going to throw that away or change that plan. To me, it always felt like he was going to end up at USC. But I, I will say, I mean, on some level, you, you're looking at the fact that he wants to be an NFL quarterback, right? Was playing for the best team in the country in Georgia an option? And was that going to be what was going to elevate him to number one pick status, right? And I think they trusted at the end the relationship. They trusted that Raleigh was the one who was going to not just get him there, but, but feature him in a way where he could not only win, but get to what he wanted to, which is, you know, be a be an NFL quarterback. So I, I think, you know, there may have been a lot in behind the scenes that might have, you know, swayed him one way or the other. But I think at the end of the day, the fact that he wanted to play for Riley and wanted to play in that system ended up winning out. Coming up, where Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams are off to next. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home some huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Delicious meat nutritious. In the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Trust me, I've been eating them like there's no tomorrow all week. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with your family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you, like me, are on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries, whatever it may be. Well, the good news is, not only are Wonderful Pistachios a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut, or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snack game today. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more. So, Paolo, here we are now with USC headed to the Pac-12 title game on Friday in Las Vegas against Utah, and it is Lincoln Riley's first season at USC. It's important to remember that, too, and it is impressive, like almost unfathomable that the Trojans have been this good this fast, having basically microwaved a playoff berth, right? I feel like we have to remember that this is a team that went 4-8 and eight last season. They, were, they had just fired Clay Helton. 
Uh, they had put in an interim who, um, you know, was just kind of trying to get through the season. They were four and eight when they hired Lincoln Riley. And the turnaround, you know, I, I would have conversations with people about, okay, so, you know, the schedule looks pretty easy. What, what, you know, what do you expect out of the season? I was like, you know, two losses, three losses feels like a good landing spot. The fact that they're 11 and one, not just 11 and one, but about to play in the Pactual title game against Utah. And then that win could vault them into the playoff field for the first time in school history is frankly ridiculous considering that the team added over 40 transfers in the offseason. I think microwaving is the perfect way to put it. It's like, this is not something that, you know, should happen this way. And kind of speaks to where college football is at this point, where how much the transfer portal and NIL matter and how much right. teams are able to do with those things, right? And obviously a lot of it had to go right where Caleb and Lincoln had to have that kind of relationship for him to join him at USC. And they had to then bring Jordan Addison from Pittsburgh to be their number one wide receiver. So the fact that everything has gone right, even down to the fact that their defense, which has been inconsistent, seems to be creating, you know, I think 25 takeaways this season. So it's really remarkable, the fact that they've been able to put all the right pieces into this kind of season where USC is doing what they hired Lincoln Riley to do, but in year one. And I think keeping them from, yes, as you said, an unprecedented playoff berth in school history is a rematch, right, against Utah. Refresh my memory here. How did that first game against Utah go for USC and for Caleb Williams specifically? It was a one-point loss. Caleb Williams sees the pressure, has to bail, has to throw it quickly. When will it land? Where will it land? Incomplete! Utah wins! Utah was able to do just enough offensively to win this game. And I think that's what's going to be interesting in this matchup is I don't think Utah is going to be able to contain Caleb Williams. You know, he had five touchdowns in that last game. I think it could be something like that. (laughs) An off night for Caleb Williams. Yeah, five touchdowns. Exactly. So I I think it's really going to come down to that defensive side of the ball where if if USC can can hold Utah to, I don't know, let's say under 40 points, I think they're going to have a good shot. I think it really comes down to that side of the ball because – the USC's offense is going to do what they're going to do. Caleb is going to do what he's going to do. And they're, they have been wanting this game. Like, you know, they could say they didn't care who they played and they did say that. But I think they they feel good that they'll get to events their only loss of the season. Yeah. And so Caleb Williams, as we stand here today, yes, 34 touchdowns, three picks, 3,700 yards or so. Like, what is what what is next for a player like that? Like, how long is he even going to be at USC? Yeah, that's something I've been thinking about this week is he's a sophomore. He's going to be back next season. Really, next season was supposed to be the title contending season for USC. Caleb was going to be back. They were going to add in more recruits. They were going to probably add in more transfer players and really kind of find their footing in year two of the Riley era. So the fact that they're here in year one is crazy. But I think for for, for Williams, it's it's hard to think about, you know, what, what is he going to do for an encore, right? seems like he's going to win the Heisman. Remains to be seen how, how far USC goes. But I think for him, it's like, I don't even want to begin to imagine what defenses are going to have to deal with next season when he's got another year yeah. in the Riley system and probably more confidence, more talent, better players, and kind of a better... I don't want to say system, but it's almost almost that continuity, right? Where they're going to have that going for them next season. I don't. I mean, I'm I'm not here to say that he's going to be the favorite for the Heisman next season, but it's it, he's going to be in contention again because I, if everything goes right, he's he has the skill level and the talent and the system to 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 make it happen again.
But at the end here, the name that I do need to come full circle with is not the name Caleb Williams. It is the name that you started your description of Caleb Williams with, Patrick Mahomes, right? So when you talk to Caleb Williams, when you hear Caleb Williams get asked about that comparison in specific, what does he say? In the past, Caleb has talked about the Mahomes influence on him. He, he talks about it, he watches him. And, and, and earlier this season, you know, there was a game, there was a Sunday night game where Mahomes was playing the Bucks, And on this play near the red zone, he spun around the defender, avoided another, and then just teardropped this pass perfectly onto his receiver. It was very much a, you know, playground play, right? From the two, Mahomes escaping. On the move, Mahomes stops, spins, flips it forward for the touchdown to Edward Hilaire. <laughs> Stop it. Somebody asked Caleb if he had watched it, and you know, Caleb just smiled, and he said, yeah, I watched it, and I thought I could do that too. He's very aware of the comparison, but also the fact that he thinks he can play at that level. He thinks he can make those plays. He thinks he can, you know, create those highlights in the same way that Mahomes does. And it's hard to hard to argue with him given what he's done this season. Yeah, no, if he's doing Patrick Mahomes karaoke, basically, like, I'm in, man. Yep. I don't care if he's a cover band. I don't care if he's trying to imitate a guy who should not be imitated. He is, it, it's a concert I'd like to attend. Yeah, it's, uh, it's no doubt probably the most exciting concert in college football right now, that's for sure. Paolo Ugetti, thank you for, uh, yeah, making me feel a little bit more like a, a Caleb Williams hipster. You got it. I'm Pablo Torre. This has been ESPN Daily, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.